The first round of the NHL draft is tonight, so we will go over some final thoughts as we gear up for round one on today's episode of Locked on Wild. You're locked on wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, Minnesota Wild fans? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. And just as a reminder, Lockdown Wild is free, no charge, and available wherever you listen to your podcasts. On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, we gear up for the first round of the NHL draft tonight with Gabe Foley of Recruit Scouting with some general thoughts on round one, as well as the direction the Wild may be able to go with their two first round picks. And then we'll look at some players who could be gems later on in the draft. My name is Seth Topol, host of Lockdown Wild, veteran Minnesota sports content producer, well over a decade's worth of experience covering your favorite Minnesota sports teams and now guiding you through the offseason here on Lockdown Wild. Our guest, Gabe Foley of Recruit Scouting, right there. Pause. We have to pause real quick. I just did the point thing correctly for the first. (laughs) Didn't stutter at all. I, how many times have I been on this show? That's the first time I did it, right? It's been several, and you know it throws me as well. So uh, we'll we'll put uh, we'll put a win in your column um, for uh, for that one. That's and all I need. you know we we've got the first round tonight of the NHL draft, and um, it seems like the season ended a week ago, which it pretty <laughs> much did. Um, so quick turnaround to the NHL draft and. Round one is here tonight. We've already had uh, a big move today as the Chicago Blackhawks sent Alex DeBrinkat to the Ottawa Senators for the seventh overall pick, which will have some ripple effects, I would imagine. Uh, there may be some more action before round one um, happens here tonight. So, Gabe, let's just start. I know you uh, released your final rankings for the uh, 2022 NHL draft. Lay thin, curtain closed. Who's going number one? Ooh, wrong question to ask. <laughs> who, who knows? You know what? You know what, Seth? Just because, just for the sake of you know all that Locked On Wild has done for me this year, I'll give you the craziest rumor that I've heard, uh, probably in my uh, prospect career. Um. Now, I, before I get into this, I will preface it by saying there's maybe a 3% chance th- that this happens. Um, but like a week after I heard it, Corey Pronman of The Athletic reported something similar. So I feel a little bit vindicated. It's crazy. It's fun. It's, you know, everyone's heard the conversation of who's going to go first. Is it Slavkovsky? Is it? Shane Wright, like we talked about that to death. So let's have some fun with it. I heard <laughs> this is crazy. I, 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 it's so hard to wrap my head around. I heard that if Montreal goes, uh, Uri Slavkovsky, number one, New Jersey isn't too interested in Shane Wright at number two. 
because I mean, where are they going to play him? Right. They have Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer in their top six. Shane Wright's getting a third line role and they don't need that. You know what they do need is a star right defenseman to go with that Luke Hughes kid. Who's like the greatest freshman defenseman in the history of the NCAA uh, looking like a star. They want someone to pair with him. So I heard, I heard, oh, I heard if your Slavkovsky doesn't go or uh, isn't there at two, New Jersey's going to be a little bit privy to take a guy like David Yurichek, uh, star, right defenseman, high ceiling. That would bump Shane right down to number three. Let me tell you, I've heard from the best source I have in the Western Conference that Arizona is actively having the conversation of, do we want Shane Wright? Or do we want Logan Cooley? Logan Cooley has more upside, and Logan Cooley's going to take a bit longer to develop. I mean, Arizona has the time to wait. They can bank on Cooley taking a couple of years at Minnesota, really developing into that star that he looks like he can be. They don't need a guy like Wright who's going to be able to step in next year and might not have that same ceiling. Well, that bumps Shane Wright down to number four. And we're back at the same question that Montreal is asking themselves. Montreal is asking themselves, do we really need Shane Wright? We have this Nick Suzuki kid and we really like him. We want to give him all the minutes we can. So that's why Montreal might not go Shane Wright. Well, Seattle has Matty Beneers, and it's the same exact story. Ron Francis is a huge fan of Matty Beneers. So there's a world where the top four looks like Uri Slavkovsky, David Yurichek, Logan Cooley, and Shimon Nemetz, who Seattle is huge on, to the point that they signed one of his best friends out of Slovakia, for the sake of having more pull with Nemetz, which would put Shane Wright at fifth overall. Now, I am not saying to go rush to the betting lines and throw money down on Wright going fifth. But like I said, a week after I heard this, Corey Pronman posted a mock draft that had uh, Shane Wright going fourth to Seattle. So it's, it's a, a fun twist on the conversation that we've been having for months now of Uri Slavkovsky or Shane Wright. There's a world where Shane Wright not only falls out of the top three, but barely makes it into the top five. So uh, who goes number one? I I don't know. I My money's on Uri Slavkovsky. I think when you talk about it so much, it's bound to happen. And the fact of the matter is, Kent Hughes, first off, loves his big boys another name that montreal is super high on is yuri kulich or kulich yuri kulich um who is you know another power forward center big body confident kid yuri slavkovsky same exact thing big body forward really confident knows what he can be that's what kent hughes wants so i think yuri slavkovsky goes one where does that leave shane Wright? could be two could be three could be four could i have no clue to say this draft has gone from years of being incredibly predictable to now we're here day of and it's insane would be an understatement and I'm stressed. <laughs> well, you know, you do all the work. It's like if you're in school, you do all the work studying and preparing 
And the teacher's like, oh, by the way, the final is not on anything that we have discussed in class at all this year. And you're like, what now? What? What happened? So, yeah, doesn't surprise me at all that there is some chaos heading into tonight. And, of course, the Debrinkat trade furthered that. Um, Like I said, would not be shocked if we see some more moves as teams try to use draft capital to move up. Maybe the Wilds try to use their draft capital to move up. But regardless, uh, we'll take a look at some potential names that the Wilds could look at at 19 and 24. And we'll finish today with a look at some gems that uh, could be home runs for teams later on in the draft as we continue today's episode of Lockdown Wilds after this. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift for your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given the Coconut Brownie Chunk the Puffs treatment. That's right, the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But hang on for just a second, stop the drooling, and listen to this. They're good for you, too. Low ca- uh, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all of the deliciousness. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time. So don't miss out on your opportunity to cash in on these delicious puffs today. Head to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Continuing today's episode of Locked on Wild. Once again, thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. Round one of the draft is here tonight. And uh, as a reminder, you can check out the Locked on Wild YouTube channel for reaction to each of the Wilds two, as of now, first round picks. And uh, we'll, of course, have a full recap of round one for you tomorrow. So make sure that you are subscribed to Locked on Wild wherever you listen to your podcast. Seth Topol joined by Gabe Foley of Recruit Scouting. Let's talk pick number 19. Uh, Gabe, let's start by looking at the players that you had uh, in your latest mock draft at 19 and 24. And then we can open it up to you as to some of the players that will be available at those spots and maybe the direction that you would go with both of those first round picks. Yeah. So uh, about a month ago now, I time has become such an illusion as we've gotten closer to this draft about a month ago, June 16th, I released a uh, mock draft with all the information I had heard up to that point. At that point, Los Angeles still had pick number 19 and I had a real good feeling that they were high on Denton Matejchuk a left defenseman out of the WHL. Now to say that I'm really high on Dettimitechuk would be a bit of an understatement. I have him sixth overall. So to get him at 19, I think would be insane. Dettimitechuk's a really aggressive, but really smart two-way defenseman. He looks like a guy that can take on that Shea Theodore-esque role of being able to drive play in the offensive half of the neutral zone. He plays a blue line well. He's not afraid to dip into the zone along the boards, makes good passes into the slot, and can even dip low and uh, open himself up for a scoring opportunity every now and then. He had to grow a little bit with his skating, had to grow a little bit with his defense. You know, the, 
everything that every defenseman has to do in their draft year, but he's done an incredible job with it. And I think he's a future top pair defenseman. Issue is Minnesota does not need a future top pair left defenseman. No, uh, not at all. Um, so I'd say Denton Matejchuk is probably a little bit out of the conversation for the wild at 19, even though he'll probably be there. One name that, you know, might be there. Maybe I've heard mixed things and might fit into the wild system is Jagger Furkus. I think that's how you say it. Jagger is uh Matej Chuck's teammate on the Moose Jaw Warriors of the WHL. There's been a ton of debate debate about which one of them goes first. I've heard incredibly mixed things from a ton of different people, including people within the Minnesota Wild organization. And it's just been a roller coaster of hype around Furcus all season long. But you watch him play, there's tons to love. Uh, just like Matej Chuck, Furcus is aggressive with how he plays the game. He's confident. He's not afraid to get into someone's face because he knows he'll beat them. He's got quick hands and a physical presence on the ice, despite not being the biggest. And when he gets time and space, the kid's got an absolute rocket of a shot. Uh, Fergus is the type of kid that you watch and he just impresses you every shift. Um, as he moves towards the NHL, you know, he's going to be a little bit undersized. He's going to have to find ways to add speed and uh, a bit of finesse to his game that he, I don't think he's had uh, in the WHL. But there's still that scoring presence. There's still that confidence that really makes him a fun player and a player with a really high ceiling, even though he might not have the low floor or even though he might have the low floor. Um, as we discussed last time I was on the wild, don't really care who they pick this year. They're willing to take a stab in the dark on someone who might blow up. And Furcus is exactly that. If you're looking forward, uh, the only other player I'll mention at 19, and I should quickly uh, add that, all these players are very likely to be there at 24 as well, but uh, is Ryan Chesley. Ryan Chesley is a right defenseman in actual need in the Wilds organization. Out of the U.S. NTDP, Ryan Chesley is the closest thing that the NTDP has had to a defensive defenseman in probably like two or three years. Obviously, that's a really offensive-focused organization, uh, but Chesley does well at controlling the breakout and moving play up starting from behind his own goal line. He's a smooth skater. He knows how to defend the rush well. And more than all of that, he's really good at making up for his mistakes. A lot of people love Chesley because it looks like nothing can ever go wrong on the ice when he's there. Even when things go wrong, he adjusts quickly, he responds fast, and he shuts things down. I personally have him ranked a bit lower. He fell into my second round because, you know, my thinking is I don't care how much you can make up for mistakes. If you're still making mistakes, you got to fix that before we fix anything else. But he's still, you know, a flashy defensive defenseman who uh, knows how to shut down the other team. Seems like Minnesota's heading in the trend of defensive defensemen with the Jacob Middleton resigning and the Brock Faber trade acquisition. So Chesley might be a really good fit and a nice round out to a right decor that is all of a sudden coming together really nicely. So I think uh, Matejchuk, a great option at 19. 
Um, Furkis, another good option if you're looking forward. Chesley seems like the right fit. Now, if we want to move to 24, in my mock draft, I had the wild picking of Von Marashnashenko. Now, I touched on it a bit last time I was on. The story around Marashnashenko is inspiring and complicated and dramatic. Uh, Marashnashenko was placed in the VHL this season rather than the MHL. The VHL is essentially Russia's AHL, whereas the MHL is Russia's Juniors League. So this kid got thrown to the Wolves, and when he didn't respond right away, he got benched. It was really disappointing, and you could see it impact his game. He slowed down. He wasn't taking chances. He didn't look confident, which sucked because a year ago today, Marashnashenko was considered a top-five lock in this draft class. That's how much being put in the VHL impacted his game, and it was really difficult to see. In addition to that, about halfway through the season, news broke that Marashnashenko got diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, the same cancer that held Mario Lemieux out for the seasons that he was out. Now I have heard comfortable, confident reports that Marashnashenko has been cleared to play and is fully healthy already, which is incredibly encouraging and great to hear. Um, but with that high has come another low, another piece of drama. And that's the fact that no matter which way you shake it, Russia and Russian prospects are facing a little bit of turbulence right now. Obviously, Minnesota fans know that better than anyone with all the drama surrounding Kirill Kaprizov. That same drama is, I don't want to say surrounding Ivan Marashnashenko, but certainly something worth considering. Uh, Ivan Marashnashenko is in Montreal tonight for the draft. And while I can't say anything confident, I have heard some people say that he might stick around in North America following the draft. Um, he has spent the last couple of years trying to get over to the USHL, uh, the Muskegon Lumberjacks, but had trouble with the visa and stuff and just couldn't get that travel in place. No theatrics or anything, just you know, standard travel troubles and difficulties. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him trying to make that same move again. Um, I don't think it's related to the dramatics or anything. I think he just wants to come to North America and play. Um, and so that it's just another interesting piece to follow. I, the fact of the matter is, looking at Marashashenko as a hockey player, he's always been really talented. Like I said a year ago today, he was a top five lock in this class. There's been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of twists and turns for him this season. And I think a really important piece is going to be going be going to be, excuse me, to see how he responds to all of this, all these dramatics next season, and how he can just focus on hockey and continue his development as a prospect. But like I said last episode, like I'm saying now, the Wild don't care who they pick. The Wild don't need a star prospect out of this draft, even though they have two first rounders. So they're willing to take the big swings on guys like Marashnashenko who have sky-high ceilings but might need a little bit of extra care or a little bit of extra patience to um, to get them where they need to be. Um, if we're looking outside of Marashnashenko, I'll quickly add, I've heard the Wild really like Jimmy Snuggerud. 
Uh, Snugs is another NTDP player. He's a left or right winger, just kind of depending where you throw him, and plays a really uh, physical, defensive-minded game. He's a bit of a grinder in that aspect, but a grinder like Marcus Foligno, not a grinder like, I don't know, Nick Paul. Um, Jimmy Snuggerud can get you points. He knows how to score, and the Wild really like that. The way that I've thought about Jimmy Snuggerud all year is uh, Jake Neighbors, but he actually plays defense. I don't know if that's because I'm a Blues fan, so that's an easy connection <laughs> to make, but I think it's a really similar, really similar uh, comparison. Two other names. Uh, Isaac Howard is another NTDP, NTDP player who teams in the 20s are eyeing really close. A uh, bit of a firecracker, knows how to drive play, likes to get to the spots. Um, and then the only other name I'll mention as an option for 24 is Noah Osland. Osland has been ranked as high as like the early 10s for some teams and as low as like the second round for other teams. I don't know where he falls for Minnesota, but Osland is a dynamic playmaking center looking like he can slot as a top two center in the NHL one day and put up, if all goes perfect, a Nicholas Backstrom-like career almost. I mean, he's really smart, he's fast, he's dynamic, and he loves setting up his teammates. Oslin is a guy that I had ranked ninth overall, but it sounds like he's going to fall in the draft tonight. And so, you know, the Wild don't need a center. They don't need a top two center. But when in Rome, if he's available, may as well take him. I think all three of those options, all four of those options, whether it be Marashenshenko, Snuggerud, Howard, or Oslin, are great picks at 24 and all guys that I envision being available for the wild there. Now, final question I'll ask you wild related before we go to the, uh, the gems and the fines to finish off. If somebody, and I'm just throwing this out hypothetically, if somebody like Shane Wright slips past five and you know, if he gets to anywhere to where you're like, Oh my God, how long is this going to go? Is 19 and 24 enough to move up? Because obviously the talent's there. It, it, do you see, w- would that be enough equity for the Wild to move up if there's somebody they really want and they feel like they can go get? Um, would those two picks plus maybe something else be enough to go do it? I, You and I talked a bit about this just personally uh, before we were on here, and I, I think so. I mean, maybe throw in a guy like, you know, Damon Hunt to sweeten the deal, or maybe a guy, don't kill me, Wild fans, like Matt Dumba to sweeten the deal, try and get something out of those teams. I think that's totally reasonable. 1924, really valuable picks in a draft whose range kind of stagnates after like pick eight. Um, you know, you, you could get just as valuable of a guy at 24 as you can at 19. So combining them together is really nice. I don't know if Shane Wright's going to fall past number five, but I think there are two names that I could see the Wild really moving up for. The first is Marco Casper. Marco Casper has played men's league hockey since last summer when he was involved in the Champions League with Rogel BK. Um, There's nothing flashy about him. There's nothing exciting. Marco Casper will punch you in the gut and, you know, throw you down to the ice and, in an effort to bury a rebound in front of the net. I mean, he's a hard-nosed, aggressive center, knows how to play the game in all three zones. 
Uh, really good two-way guy. And like I said, just not much flash. He just knows how to make, you know, get things done. Um, a lot of NHL teams are loving how Marco Casper has developed over the course of the season. A lot of NHL teams think he is going to be a perfect second slash third line center very soon. And that confidence, that high of a floor is really enticing to teams. I think he's going to go in the top 10. And as I said, the Wild don't need another center. I mean, they have uh, Hartman, if we want to call him a center. They have Joel Eriksson-Eck, Marco Rossi, Murat Hustadinov. Um, but when it comes to confidence and it comes to the fact that the Wild are building a dynasty right now, you know, this isn't some mess around, you know, see where we get in a few years. We're looking at 10 years of Wild dominance in the future having a guy like marco casper who you know will fit into your third line and do dang well with it that's a really nice piece to add to a add to a prospect pool in the event that hustadinov doesn't pan out like we hope in the event that marco rossi doesn't pan out like we hope in the event that ryan hartman can't can't sustain his center play which i'm still amazed at the fact that he was what he was last (laughs) um but the only other name I'll throw out, everyone everyone around Wild and Sabres Twitter especially has heard of him. Uh, Frankie Nazar third is another centerman, but he's also been deployed on right wing out of the NTDP. Um, Nazar's a star. I've heard NHL scouts, CHL scouts, USHL scouts talking about whether Nazar was a better prospect than Logan Cooley. Now, the conversation always landed on Logan Cooley, especially towards the end of the season, but it was a conversation. It, it happened. People were talking about it. That's <laughs> insane. And it speaks to the upside that Frankie Nazar has. And he has that upside. He has that high ceiling because we really haven't seen what Frankie Nazar can be yet. A lot of his game is really impressive, but a lot of it's plagued by the fact that he kind of puts in like 75% energy any given shift yeah not great not great um but man he he does things so well in all three zones he says he models his game after patrice bergeron which i think is a little bit overzealous but you know you do you frankie um and if he can unlock that last 25 percent, i think we could be looking at a guy that in a sense rivals logan cooley in some ways especially with his upside And like I said, he can be deployed at right wing as well. So the Wild aren't sacrificing a guy like Marco Rossi or Hustadinov to put Frankie Nazar into the lineup. One interesting piece on Frankie Nazar that I'll add here because I've seen Wild fans talking about him. I don't think that Frankie Nazar goes to the University of Michigan next season. There's been a lot of buzz, and it seems like the conversation is still being had of whether Nazar wants to go there or go up north and play for the London Knights of the OHL. I think he's going to decide on the latter ultimately. Um, and I think he's going to do that just to open up more opportunities for himself as an offensive asset, get a little bit more uh, star treatment than he would on what is, and excuse my language, Minnesota fans, a stacked Michigan team next season that I personally think will win the Big Ten. And I don't just say that because I'm a Michigan fan. I'm sorry, Minnesota. Um, 
but Nazar will get better treatment up north than he would in Michigan. Michigan's got a ton of players, ton of uh, spotlight to share. Um, and so I think he ultimately goes OHL. I think that does more uh, for unlocking that last 25% of his game. And like I said, the Wild were looking for upside this year. Nazar's got a ton of it. There are question marks around him, but if they're trading up for anyone, I think it's either going to be the high floor of Marco Casper or the really high ceiling of Frank Nazar. And I think 19, 24, and maybe one of your a million great prospects is more than enough to get that done. Well, we'll see how things play out. Um, I would imagine that we'll have some activity certainly here uh, tonight. So uh, we'll see how things play out as it unfolds. Uh, we'll finish with uh, a couple of gems. Gabe, so many to look at. Uh, and some finds in the later rounds. So we will uh, finish today's episode of Lockdown Wild talking just that after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX and why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Plus, you can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend anywhere from 30 to 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? rockauto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And rockauto.com's prices are reliably low for every customer. So head to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, all at rockauto.com. Final segment of today's episode of Locked On Wild. Once again, thank you for tuning in to Locked On Wild each and every day. Gabe Foley joining the show as we uh, discuss the first round of the NHL draft and more, which uh, starts up here tonight. And Gabe, now is where I turn the mic over to you, as I have done for a large majority of this episode already, and always do. But uh, we're going to go to some of your favorites for later in the draft. Who are some players? Let's go with, I don't know, four or five or however many you have um, to talk about of players in which teams drafting them later on in this draft could really hit big and find a player that can help them uh, for several years down the road. Yeah, so normally when I do these segments, I scroll down in my little prospect master sheet and see guys that I think are going to be available or that I might have ranked in like the fourth to seventh round range. Not doing that today. Uh, because I just announced my final 2022 draft rankings, as you mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, fans can find those on Twitter at, at NHL Foley. Um, they're my pinned tweet, so you can't miss them. And there are three names, maybe four, in my first round that I think will be available in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. There's no buzz around these kids, but like I said, they are in my first round. They're incredibly talented, and uh, topping the list is Julian Lutz. I have Julian Lutz ranked 22nd overall. 
Um, he missed nearly the entire season with injury playing over in Germany's men's league. I reached out to as many sources as I could all season long, trying to find out the details of this injury and always kind of got the runaround. I always got told he'll be back soon. Don't worry. And that was kind of it. But ultimately he came back for about 10 games at the end of the year, including some international play and looked the part of Julian Lutz. Julian Lutz is a really, really, really good skater. He's just beautiful to watch skate, and he uses that beautiful skating to really pressure opponents well in the regroup. He knows how to block lanes. He knows how to intercept pucks, and he knows how to turn around quickly and uh, make things happen on offense. But at the same time, he's really patient. He's really poised. I just... There's so much to say about how Julian Lutz plays the game fundamentally to the point that I have started telling 15, 16, 17-year-old players who I work with to go watch Lutz play. I say watch him skate. Watch how he pressures opponents. Watch how he, you know uses open hip moves and Malkins in the offensive zone to creep his way low and find space, find open areas of ice and watch how patient he is with the puck. Once he gets there, I mean, Lutz knows how to play hockey. He knows how to attack. And um, a lot of people have asked me, you know, do you really think you've seen enough of Lutz to rank him 22nd overall in your final rankings? And, to that, I reply, I had ranked 23rd in October. Uh, and while he did miss a lot of the season with injury, he came back and looked as good as he did in October. So for all intents and purposes, he stayed where I've always had him, even though I removed him from my rankings a bit just because he wasn't playing. Julian Lutz is looking like he'll be available in the third or fourth round. And I think he's definitely worth taking a swing on. He can play any, you know, either wing or center, and he does well with all of them because of how aware of the lanes of the ice he is and because he knows how to pressure opponents. Um, there's tons to be added to his game, but Lutz is a good, fundamental, smart player that I'm really a big fan of. The next on the list is Miko Matika. Miko Matika also had about a 15-game stretch this season where he was hurt and uh, could not play internationally or in his league games. And that stretch, just those 15 games, was enough to remove nearly every conversation about him. At the end of the day, Miko Matika is a 6'3 winger with the Patrick Laine, Alex Ovechkin level shot like when, they were in the, when they were in their draft years. I'm not putting him up there you know, that high. But like the kid's got a rocket. You give him a millisecond of space and he's putting that thing in the top corner without breaking a sweat. He's an incredibly good scorer and he knows how to operate from the top of the circles. But more than that, like I said, he's six, three, but he has none, nearly none of the skating concerns that we see with six, three and up wingers. He skates beautifully laterally. Um, he's great on his edges and he knows how to get on his toes and dig into the ice. There are a few things that I would change with his skating, but they're all easy fixes. And once you get those fixes in place, he's going to be a fast, strong winger who knows how to rip the puck. Um, I've loved watching Matika all season. I think he's a beautiful player, 
uh, with just how he, you know, attacks defenses, uh, knows how to get around players. It's a lot of fun. Um, I have him ranked 25th overall. Keeping on with the list, 28 overall, I have Noah Warren. Noah Warren is a 6'5", 224-pound defenseman out of the QMJHL. And I can describe Noah Warren really, really easily because he's Colton Pareko. Uh, period. End of sense. Noah Warren is the next Colton Pareko in everything that Colton Pareko does well. Now, I know I'm a Blues fan, and I'm just speaking to what I know at this point. But, I mean, for a long time, Colton Pareko was one of the best defensive defensemen in the NHL. And he became one of the best defensive defensemen in the NHL because he was huge. And he knew how to use his stick and his arms to just bully anyone that came into his defensive zone. No Warren's 18 years old and does the exact same thing. There were a few times where Noah Warren would, you know, break a stick on a play or lose a stick in the corner, something like that. And with no stick in his hands would be able to completely shut down the slot in its entirety just by, I mean, nearly picking guys up and moving them out of it. You could not get close to the net when Noah Warren was on the ice, even with no stick in his hand. Now he's still learning a bit of the offensive aspects of his game, but like I said, he's the next Colton Preco, and Colton Preco is not really known for his scoring. Noah Warren knows how to break it out of the zone. He's got nice long strides and, uh, you know, plays the puck up the ice well. So I, I'm not too concerned about the offensive addition to his game because I think he's that good defensively. I have Noah Warren ranked 28th, but he, like Matika, could fall as late as like the fifth round. There's a ton of debate about where they're going to land, but at the end of the day, they're guys that I think are huge standouts. We'll close with the fourth name on the list. Uh, I have this guy ranked 31st overall. I think there's a world where he doesn't get drafted. That's Russia's Viktor Nuchev. Viktor Nuchev played in the MHL this season and scored, uh, I don't remember the exact number, but in the top five, top ten, all time in goals uh, in the MHL in a draft season. Wow. He was ranked like second in the entire league in goals. He scored 40 in some odd games. Um, and he did it on one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, I apologize for not having the exact stats, but ultimately Victor Nuchev was the shining light for Avto this season. He's 6'2", 6'1", 6'2", and just, just a bully on the ice. I mean, you watch this kid play for the longest time. I thought he was 5'10", just because he's so fast, he's so smooth, and his hands are out of this world. I mean, it's insane. What this guy does in tight spaces blows my mind. It's something that I haven't seen since I was scouting the 2019 NTDP team with Jack Hughes, Trevor Zegers, Alex Turcotte on it. This kid has, like, next-level hands. He could make people look silly in, in a phone booth, and he uses that to great <laughs> effect. Like I said, he was a shining light for Abco this season, and that meant he always had the puck on his stick. He was always being pressured of the opponents on the ice. And he still, like I said, scored 40 goals this year. One of the top goal scorers in his league, uh, regardless of age. Um, like I said, I think there's a world where Victor Nuchev doesn't get drafted because he's a Russian prospect. 
as I touched on my last episode here, and I've touched on a bit on my Twitter and other articles, uh, the Minnesota have time to blow, and you might need to spend that time. You might need to be a little patient with Russian prospects. Ultimately, I think Victor Nuchev has a spot on a top line in the NHL one day. Uh, if everything works out perfect, if he's able to match the pace and skill and flash that he's shown uh, in the MHL this season when he comes over and plays North American hockey. Like I said, I have him 31st overall. I think if you hear his name called it all, you're walking away, walking away with a huge steal. But for Foley's finds, I'm not going to dive into you know super unheard of names. We're going to stick with Julian Lutz, Miko Matika, Noah Warren, and Victor Nuchev. You get any of those guys, you're walking away with a huge, huge steal tonight or tomorrow. Boom. Well, there you have it, and hopefully this serves as a very suitable draft primer for tonight. Not only tonight, but also for uh, this weekend as well. Gabe, as always, thank you for the time, and uh, we'll check in with you after the draft is done to get a better sense of of what the Wilds got and uh, some of the teams that did well and some that did not. Uh, but that is going to serve for today's episode. So now that your first listen of the day is done, make sure you head over to the Locked on NHL podcast to get your final lowdown on the first round of the NHL draft and beyond. The Locked on NHL podcast is available wherever you listen to your podcast, just like Locked on Wilds, wherever you listen, anytime you want to listen free of charge. So make sure that you stick with us. And head over to YouTube to join to the 1,000-plus subscribers that have already made Lockdown Wild one of their go-to listens every day of the week. Lockdown Wild is keeping you up to date with new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.